Welcome to episode 15 of Heart of the Bookkeeper. My name is Rob Marshall and this is a podcast brought to you by the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers. Bookkeepers, helping bookkeepers, helping business. Wow, what a wonderful episode we have in store for you in episode 15. Our guest is a bookkeeper who's been on a very long journey of discovery to land where she finds herself today. And to hear that journey is something I really encourage you to sit back and engage with, and for many of you, associate with. Our guest in this episode is Michelle Grisdale, the owner of Rainforest Bookkeeping based on the central coast of New South Wales. Michelle's story is one of passion and diligence and certainly will be an inspiration, I believe, to bookkeepers either just starting out or bookkeepers grappling with who they are and what and how they do things. It's a fabulous story that weaves in dealing with a new country and processes, being a mum and a provider all at the same time, working through a horror health crisis, Cape Crusaders, the World Cup of Bookkeeping, and beating to the drum of a genre of music that may well just surprise you. This episode has lots of twists and turns. So enjoy episode 15 of Heart of the Bookkeeper, Michelle Grisdale. As always, it is absolutely fantastic to have you. I'm so excited to uh, bring a guest who... I reckon has an amazing story in a different way to perhaps what we've even heard before. I want to welcome to Heart of the Bookkeeper, Michelle Grisdale. Welcome, Michelle. Good morning, Rob. Nice to be here. Thank you for joining us. Let's start off with, um, I've I've created this year, I don't know if you've tuned in or not, but I've created this year a little bit of a uh, a process called opening and closing balances. You know, we're talking. This is a bookkeeping podcast, so we've got to uh-huh. we've got to stick with the theme, of course. Yeah, okay. So uh, we're going to kick off with your opening balances. Of course, at the end of the day, we've got to close the ledger, so we'll do some closing balances. So first, uh, first opening balance to kick off with. Where were you born? I was actually born in uh, Portsmouth, Virginia, at a naval hospital, um, and then lived in Virginia Beach. So I've always lived near the beach. So, yes, USA, born and bred. So uh, it was obviously a loaded question because you have told me that, and I think it's a bit of bit of a giveaway that you haven't got the you know the full on Aussie twang happening at the moment. So I, uh, you know. I think um, yeah. funny thing is when I go back there, they think I sound Australian, and I just think no, it's so no. <laughs> <laughs> so Virginia, okay. So let's let's explore before we move on to question number two. Let's explore Virginia a bit because. You know, I am the quintessential, you know, hopeless, non-travelled male, although I did a trip to Europe recently, so I'm a little bit, but in America, not over. Virginia to me, okay, all I can think of when it comes to Virginia, no research, just straight off the top of my head, the Civil War for some reason and that series that was around in the 1980s, North and South, so why what what am I, have I got it right? What's what's why am I thinking civil war with Virginia? Bailey's decided he wants to answer. So <laughs> Bailey. hello, Bailey. <laughs> um, yes, exactly right. It was the dividing line. It's the Virginia's the state between the yes north and south. So um, you know, and and uh, Washington D.C. is part of Virginia, kind of like ACT. Um, you know, it's the yes. District of Columbia. Um, right. 
largest naval base in the world. So, yep, that's spot on history. Um, so was Virginia north or south? Which which side halfway, of the halfway? Ah. So in the Civil War, were they north or south, or they just kind uh, in of... the Civil War uh, they fought for the South, but right, it was pretty much brother against brother, and so there was a lot of split. It was very controversial. Hence the uh, hence the series back in the eighties, I reckon. Yeah, for those of us who are old enough to remember that one. Okay, I you know I'm not sure how much you've got into the sort of the whole you know as Aussies we got to have you know some heroes growing up or whatever you know mine was Dennis Lilly and Rod Marsh and and then bizarrely I realised I've realised in latter years that it's actually extends beyond sport. I, you know, I'm, I'm a, one of my heroes was definitely Han Solo and Chewbacca, you know, so I've got, yeah. a, you know, a few, a few, few odd ones in my past. Any heroes that you can remember that you, when you were growing up, that you hung on to as, as somebody to kind of look up to? Yeah. I mean, you know, my husband and I were talking about all the old TV shows and everything we used to watch and, you know, we had Batman and Wonder Woman and, yeah. you know, we yeah. had, oh, gosh, we had some of the great TV shows after school. Yeah, just aren't aren't there anymore, and we still go back and watch them all. You know, um, uh, Gilligan's Island, like, oh, <laughs> yeah. like, yes. I can't say that I had like you know strong uh, political or business or actress people in my life that really made a huge impression on me. I think it's been later in life. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, I can't can't really recall any major, major heroes and people that I really wanted to be. It's funny you say about Batman because only recently I I, I was trying desperately to remember an episode I can remember watching Batman and Robin and I knew it was, I thought it was the Queen of Sheba or something like that. Anyway, I, I went into YouTube and put in Queen of and then Batman and it turned out it was the Queen of Diamonds. Mm-hmm. So I just brought back some memories. I don't know why, and I watched that episode. Well, now, as happens with YouTube, now my YouTube is just full oh, of <laughs> old Batman yeah. episodes. So I'm back. Well, I'm, I'm back watching Batman again. Those are like DC it. comics, and I'm actually totally Team Marvel. I am a yeah. massive uh, Marvel fan. I love Groot. I have Groot all over my office. I love Guardians of the Galaxy and the old mixtapes. Um, yeah. and, and it's got to be a throwback to, you know, that's when I grew up when we had all the mixtapes and everything. So, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I graduated from high school in the 80s and so yes. in college in the 80s. So, uh, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy and Marvel Heroes. I never miss one. Well, you go to a theatre now and you can only get any, every everything is Marvel, isn't it? I mean, oh, I, yeah, yeah, there's I still the DC, but DC's gone dark side. And so yeah. um, one of my sons and I, so he lives, he's just moved to Wurunga. And so we meet in like Chatswood or Hornsby to go and see all the new releases of the Mar- Mar- Marvel shows because I just can't get enough of them. I just love them. <laughs> yes. All right, let's move on to the third opening balance and then we'll start to get into the real, uh, the real, the real story of Michelle Grisdale and her bookkeeping journey in particular but this question might actually kick it off. Do you remember, and I'm going to throw this challenge out to every listener who's listening into this episode, do you remember where you were when you first thought to yourself, I'm a bookkeeper, I think I'm a bookkeeper? Where, where did that moment happen? You know, obviously <clears throat> it's, it's going to be vaguely a time, but... Uh, um. 
Very, very late in life. Um, and I think, I mean, as we'll discuss, like, you know, I mean, who I am really happened in later, much later in life. Um, yes. I remember I had been working in Australia. So it wasn't in the US, it was in Australia. Um, and I was dealing with everything that had to do with bookkeeping, including payroll. And then I was about to go for another role and I thought, what have I been doing? So then when you start to figure out all the things you're doing with accounts payable, accounts receivable, payroll, um, rostering, um, you, and, you know, doing all the bank reconciliations, take getting and doing the data entry was the bane of my existence. Um, <laughs> you re, I did. I realized I went, I'm a bookkeeper. I was never a bookkeeper. I was never training to be a bookkeeper. I never wanted to be a bookkeeper. I couldn't stand accounting and statistics when I was at uni, but I somehow was a bookkeeper. Mm-hmm. And, and it was kind of at that moment you embraced that and took it on and and the rest is history, but the the rest being history, we're going to unpack as we go through this episode. So, all right, so that's good. I, 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 it sort of came to me only recently that, you know, did I have a moment where I thought, you know what, I am, this is what I do and this is, I, I love this and, and I do. I do have a moment that I can remember that kind of coming across me, even though probably by that stage I'd been doing bookkeeping for a number of years. But there was just that kind of moment where it, it became an ex, not just an acceptance but an excited revelation, I guess you could call it. Funny thing is one of my longest friends um, in Australia, her name is Carrie, she lives up Tweed, uh, you know, up in the border, New South Wales and Queensland. And so she and I have known each other since pretty much as soon as I got off the plane to Australia and she was working for a company and I was working partly with, and she was the bookkeeper. And I always thought, oh, cool. She's doing all that. You know, I'm doing my things. And I never in a million years thought I'd be doing her job. Mm. We talk about it now. Like we were in completely different roles. I was in sales and marketing. And next thing you know, now we're working together and mentoring each other. So. Mm. Wow. So, all right, that's good. I mean, and I'm going to throw that out to, to every listener who's tuning in right now, you know, it's, if, on the assumption that you are a bookkeeper, uh, well, you know, try it. Go back in the deep recess of your mind. Where was that moment where you suddenly had that revelation? This is what I do. And not only do I do it, but I do it with passion. And this is what I, this is where I want to go. And I want to make an impact. So great recollections there, Michelle. We'll keep, we're going to keep tapping into that. So Michelle Grisdale, born, we won't say when, you know, although <laughs> you and I worked out we are almost exactly the same age, uh, a month or two apart. Um, but uh, let's say the, the, the 70s were still hanging around Virginia and uh, the Americas or the USA. Was there, you know, things growing up that uh, started to maybe define where you're at now, although I, I think part of your story is, as you've already called out, that there's been a, a, a long journey of discovery for you. Is that, is, would I call that right? Very much so. Um, I grew up with a mother that taught me that I could do anything. She was, she was brilliant. She, um, and also military, like um, um, she was an Air Force brat, so traveled all over the world. My parents met in Spain um, and then ended up back in Virginia to have me. Another story. <laughs> um, and, you know, then she worked at, in for the Army. She was a library technician with the Army um, and so always worked. And so that the example I had was of a strong working woman. 
um, not strong at home, but very strong at at her place of employment. Um, mm. Yeah, it really defined, you know, that I was never going to be a stay-at-home mum because I didn't have that example. I didn't know how to do that. It um, just wasn't wasn't my thing. Was um, was the military influence? Was uh, dad in military as well? Did you mention? Yeah, or? he was yeah. in the military for my entire life. Um, so he was really not there. He was gone, you know, six to nine months of every year of my life. So he really didn't have a lot of influence in my growing up, except for those three months that he was there and all of a sudden wanted to be the head of the family. Um, So, yeah, it was very interesting growing up. It was a little bit trying, um, but maybe, maybe that's where my love of complete processes and a little bit of OCD Mm. comes from. It's quite Mm. helpful. But my mother's mm. this way as well, so I find out. So, well, I'm guessing, and, and you know, my dad was was ex army as well. Um, you know, I think that does bring about a sense of order in life, doesn't it? You know, and uh, you know, dad certainly in my case had uh, ways that were, you know, you you got up at a very certain time and you did things a certain way in the morning and stuff like that. So uh, I think you're right. Now I've never really thought of it, you know, because of. of of what you've just said, I think you're right. I think that probably determined a lot of the the way I approach things now as well. Was there any ever was there ever a moment where you thought maybe you would go into military yourself, or was that never totally a thought? Totally the opposite, complete opposite. Um, having grown up in that environment, I would never ever even entertain dating anyone in the military, marrying nothing ever ever ever. That was not the life that I wanted. Um, right. Having seen both of my parents grown growing up through the military their whole lives, that's not what I wanted. And so um, when my first long-term boyfriend and later husband joined the Coast Guard, I was, I was almost out. But <laughs> Coast Guard was kind of a little bit different. So it was, um, so that was, that was okay. But we got through those eight years yep. and um, yep. <laughs> I stayed <Yeah>. there. <laughs> so you hit, um, from a little bit of a, a little bit of stalking I did of you in a, in a right way, I hope, you know, on LinkedIn and a few <laughs> other places. On, we, we all stop. We, yeah, where, we can, where we can safely do that sort of thing without appearing weird, I hope. Um, you went to uni in the USA. What, what did you study at uni? I uh, went to school in Richmond, Virginia, very, very historical capital of Virginia, um, and I studied business administration with a focus to marketing. Um, right. Yeah, I wanted to be in business, but... Um, yeah, didn't quite know where I wanted to sit, but absolutely loved marketing. Funny thing is, I actually started uni thinking I was going to go into social work, mm. and that I'm I'm too emotionally attached to people. I care too mm. much about people. I couldn't walk away when I heard a story. I wanted to help them and find a way to move past that. So I, um, yeah, social work didn't last very long. I was mm. terrible at it. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't amazing how we have. You know, and I'm sure there's plenty who are listening in now who've maybe got kids who are trying to find their way. You know, you, you can only but encourage that. I was encouraged. I think I've mentioned this on a couple of occasions, but some people might find this really strange. But I actually went and studied horticulture 
and I was planning on being a horticulturalist. But <laughs> a bit like you, about six or 12 months in, I went, there's lots of things that I'm good at, but one of them isn't horticulture. <laughs> I sucked yeah. at it. So that was where I pivoted and, and moved to accounting. So, then, uh, yeah. The thing was in uni, so um, at the age of 17, because I, I finished school early because when my birthday is. Um, and so I was 17, graduated high school. My parents moved from the East Coast to the West Coast. So I was basically 17 years old and my family had left home. So I was mm. in uni trying to figure out what I wanted to do completely on my own. Mm. So I think that's really when I was, you know, born and decided that I could do this. I could be independent. Um, my mom raised me to be independent and um, I could find my way. Can't is not in my vocabulary. So <laughs> good segue again, because um, I heard a quote the other day. I heard a quote and I thought of you immediately. And the quote says, I say what I mean and I mean what I say, so please don't take it any other way. Now, I'll reveal to the audience that quote was actually from you. 100%. You, tell, tell me what that means. What, what does that mean? Those who know me, I, it's kind of my disclaimer because so many people, and I've, I grew up with brothers and I grew up with, I've had all sons. I grew up with a lot of males in my life. Um, don't know why. I just was always everyone's little sister. It was just one of those things. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I was the manager of the baseball team and the football team. And so, you know, I was always with lots of guys and never dated any of them. They just mm -hmm. always looked after me. Um, I, I found from a very early age that I could say the same sentence to a group of guys and they would take it exactly like I meant it. But if I said the same thing to a group of girls, they would get, some of them get offended. They think this, Michelle said this, and they would take not what I said, but what they perceived it to mean out of my mouth. And I, I find that very unfair, but because of that, I found that I've, I've stayed in, in the male world a lot, but I'm just starting to let women in and, and be a little bit vulnerable because I've met of amazing group of women um, a lot of through COVID lockdowns who think like I do, like, mm. you know, they take what I say as, as that really is what I mean. I don't have a mean bone in my body, mm. but you know, people take it out of context. So I really do. I mean what I say and I say what I mean. I love that. I absolutely <laughs> love it. I've got it written down here. I say what I mean and I mean what I say. So please don't take it any other way. I, I, I absolutely love that quote. I think that's up there with my uh, quotes of 2022. So uh, thank I'm you for human, that. You know, and Oh, you know, yeah, I'm human. So please treat me as being human. <laughs> I think one of the things, you know, and it's interesting, you know, that you're you're sort of calling out that, you know, and we're we're unpacking your journey, and it's and that's what I love about your journey is that that it it is a journey of discovery, really. Um, yes. And it's interesting that. that you've called out that, um, you know, you you probably gravitated more to the male than the female for a long period of time, and yet now you find yourself in a in an industry and a community that is 89% female from our recent annual survey. So um, it's quite interesting that you've landed there. But I think the thing that you've also called out is that it, I won't call this across the board, but I think, you know, your sort of thinking is very consistently the same amongst especially women in the bookkeeping community that, you know, we are strong people when we say what we mean and we mean what we say and 
please don't take it any other way because we're we're just doing what we know needs to be done. And I, I, I really like that. You know, I'm, I'm finding it, it's so refreshing to find so many beautiful, strong women who aren't afraid to say what they mean anymore, you know, mm. um, in a room. Like, I mean, I will, I'll gravitate to a, a lot of the guys in the room because I have this relationship. And, you know, it should be said that, you know, I've had two major relationships in my life with men and I've married both of them. Mm. And the others are all my children. So I've got lots mm. of male children. So um, I, I think and that, that I think initially that's what scared women so much is they thought that I was talking to all the blokes and so I was going to try to hit on them all. That's just not mm. me. I'm not mm. that person. So, so we'll, we'll move on to, I'm really keen to move into you know, when you've come to Australia and in particular your journey in bookkeeping. But when you look back in your time, you know, with your, the growing up obviously in, a, in another country, in the United States, do you, do you still refer to that as home or have you kind of landed that no you've made your life in Australia and that's where you are now and that's yeah no I really don't um I mean yes I'm I'm a dual citizen yes I am American but I'm also Australian I've been Australian since uh 2002 um Mm -hmm. and by choice um moved here because my first long-term boyfriend and first husband who I went to high school uni with was Australian Mm-hmm. So the oppor- opportunity knocked. Everyone always assumes I got here because of my husband, because he was Australian. But in reality, he didn't have a job here for the first six months. I was working right. for a broadcast engineering company in marketing, and they needed an office here in Australia before the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So I, in a roundabout way, ended up working with my father-in-law. So he and I m- moved the entire company to Australia. So I was, I had a three-year-old baby and a three-month-old baby. And I had to start a company in December, which is impossible in Australia. Things close until February. Nobody talked Mm -hmm. about American that when you're coming, right? Um, So I had to do all of that, start a company working in sales for the manufacturer um, with Australian distributors to get here. So it was quite a, quite a trying time, but I had a five-year contract. I had every intention to go, to go back to the U.S. when that five-year contract was up. But I think once when I'm in, I'm all in. Um, yep. And that's in life as well as in, you know, when, even when I take on a DSP, a digital service provider, like I'm, I'm pretty all in. I'm pretty committed to anything in my life. Yep. So I embraced it. And I became very as Australian as I could get. Um, mm-hmm. Took me quite a while to get my license because I was scared to death to drive on the other side of the road. <laughs> but then when I did it, I did it 100% and passed. So um, yeah, I, I still call the Northern Beaches home, um, Northern Beaches of Sydney. Um, three out of four of my kids still live on the Northern Beaches, even though I moved to the Central Coast a few years ago. It's still not home. Like I still yeah. have all my roots and my kids grew up there on the Northern beaches and um, I still know everybody, everyone. Uh, mm. I haven't been on the central coast long enough because we actually moved to the central coast and bought our house the first weekend of lockdown. So <laughs> it's been a little bit hard trying to get to know anybody. It's an it's a question that fascinates me. I love the question: what, Where do you call home? I just there's a question that I think 
it resonates internally with everybody. Um, you, you've moved halfway around the world, and uh, and yet you 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 see yourself as Australian. I've never moved states. I've only moved continents. So yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that is interesting. When, yeah. I, when I decided I was going to Australia, everybody said, "How can you make that decision?" And I said, "How can you not? Opportunity yeah. knocks. You open the door." Mm. So yeah, mm. I did. <laughs> So when you when you landed in Australia, so you, you've got the kids, your your husband's not, at that point not working, you're having to lead the way. That must have been very stressful. Must have been very difficult. And and were you were you homesick at that point, or you know how how did it work out that first well, sort of you know year or so? Once again, um, I was with my my first husband's family, um, who I've, I've known since I was 16. So, you know, they're still family. And they actually, funny enough, live down the road in Terrible. So they're not far from me even now. They're in their late 80s, wow. but they're still, I'm still very, very close to um, my first in-laws. Um, the hardest part for me was, yes, I had a three-month-old and a three-year-old, but the because we couldn't open the office, we couldn't do anything. I was trying to work, you know, 20 hours a week and there wasn't enough work to do anything for 20 hours. So I didn't know how to be that person. I didn't know how to be the person that didn't do work and didn't, didn't do anything. And so, um, the doctors always said that, you know, if, uh, are you stressed? And I said, well, look, if I don't have 10 balls in the air, I'm stressed. That caused me having no balls in the air caused me a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really challenging because I had no family here other than my husband's family, no friends. I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't drive anywhere. So it was, it was a really, uh, scary time, not scary that I wanted to go back to the States, but scary that, Oh God, have I made the right decision? Isn't it? it, it it's interesting that you're raising that because I think again, when I think back on my journey, the times when I've probably been the most stressed, bizarrely enough, and you're calling it out, is when I've been worried about not having work when, rather than having too much work. Uh, it, and yep. I have heard that from a number of bookkeepers over the journey, that we we probably focus maybe a little bit too much on what we haven't got versus what we have got. But that I don't, I'm not going to say it's in all our natures, but uh, certainly that seems to be a common thread. I'm very good at delegating, but I have to have something to delegate. So give me too much and I will find someone to do it to make it all happen. But give me nothing and I don't know what to do. That said, like, I am very, very good with lots of, I do lots of crafts and I always have. I used to do, um, I've done so many things just to keep myself busy. And I think I get that from my mother as well. So, and I, I know from a little bit of your background, you've had a uh, a few health issues as well during that journey. Was it? I know you've had some back issues over the journey. Did that was that around that time as well? Just to add to the the challenges, or was that a little bit later? Uh, that was a little bit later. So I was in Australia seven years uh, working for different um, Australian companies. Um, the company that brought me over was actually a Canadian company. I've never worked for any uh, American company until I moved to Australia which was really random. So no, I had seven years uh, working in sales, marketing, leaning towards all the things leading to me to be a bookkeeper that I didn't know at the time. Um, yep. Then my marriage broke apart. Um, I was uh, single and I was uh, tiny, dropped down to about you know 47 kilos. I um, mm. wish I could get a little bit closer to that now, but you know, don't we all? <laughs> um, and I was playing women's soccer and I was playing women's baseball because I had to stay busy. Um, mm. 
I still worked full time. I still was complete super mom. I did everything with a PNC. I was a PNC secretary for four years. I just had to fill every single bit of that time to keep myself occupied. Um, so uh, yeah, funny thing. I took, just took a weird fall after a goal was goal scored. No, I didn't score. I just took a funny hit and ended up messing up my disc, rupturing and prolapsing my disc and ended up in to the point where I, I almost couldn't walk. Mm. And that was bad enough. And I, if you've ever had back pain, there is nothing in the world like it. And I've had natural mm. childbirth twice. So there is nothing like back pain. Um, I just present to the emergency room and just couldn't even speak. I couldn't even breathe. It was mm. so bad. Um, had surgery, surgery, that's okay. Then during this, after the surgery was done, they told me they left a piece of an instrument in my disc. And it would move, it would be fine. I'd just be with it the rest of my life. I'd just never be able to have an MRI. <laughs> Six months later, the, the piece moved and I was paralyzed. <laughs> oh, so six months later, I had the same surgery to remove the piece of instrument. And it took me about six years before I could really completely walk again without kind of dragging my right foot. I still don't have feeling down my right leg. Um you know, complete feeling, but you know, it was a, yeah, hard road. And I met Clay right in the middle of it a year to the day that I'd been separated. I met my second husband. So he stuck around doing all that somehow. So. Yeah. Wow. And I, and I know, I mean, that's, I didn't know the extent I knew you'd had some back issues, but I didn't know it was that to that extent. That is, um, that is amazing. Um, well, not amazing. That's a, that's a, that's a very sad story, really. But uh, hopefully, you're uh, have come out the other side a little bit now. The bit that I did pick up on as part of that story is is the meeting of your second husband Clay, yeah, and uh, Clay on a blind date. And I know, and I know <laughs> that you know it was the perfect match, wasn't it? And and it still is, from what you tell me. Yeah, it was very, very interesting. Clay is um, not someone that I would have wanted to date. I was a hairdresser, um, very different to me. Um, but a girlfriend of mine, another American girlfriend of mine, who was, uh, she was his client, decided that we both had really sad marriage breakups and she, that we were both people that she needed in her life. And so she needed us to meet to either just be lifelong friends or to have a relationship. And mm. we've had a relationship ever since. So it's been well over 20 years um, that we've had this relationship met on a blind date because somebody thought we were just good people. So. <laughs> the best kind, I reckon, well done. <laughs> and uh, shout out to Clay and uh, and obviously the support he gave you, especially during that back injury process and that time where it must have been, again, very stressful and very challenging. Um, we need to, I want to, and I'm sure the listeners are very keen to, to hear the point where you move to the bookkeeping um, process and uh, discovered that, had that revelation, I'm a bookkeeper. Um, what what were the things that led to that? You've, you've sort of semi-referenced that. What was the point that led you to go, I'm going to go out as, uh, as a bookkeeper? Well, I um, ended up doing bookkeeping for one client, um, working in manufacturing e-commerce, um, quite a learning curve. That was, that was great. And then I was, um, and then I added another client that was in the building industry. And then I had another day. So I added another client. So I got to the point where I had 
five clients. I was employee bookkeeper. Um, I don't even know if I called myself a bookkeeper. Um, I, I'm not even sure what I called myself. Um, I was an employee bookkeeper because um, I couldn't work on my own because I had no qualifications as a bookkeeper at that point. I, mm. It was just lived experience, like in logistics, in manufacturing, in um, import, export, in um, quality control, uh, food control, you know, so many things. ISO 9000. Um, my background was just so extensive that I thought, you know what, I've got all this experience with so many things. Let, let's pull all that together. So I was working on desktop systems. I was working, uh, you know, Maya fell into my life in, when I got to Australia. I'd never heard of it before. But, you know, back in 95, Maya was going strong. So yeah. straight in, learned it, figured it out, no training. I'm, I'm one of these that I just have to jump in and figure it all out. So I did. And I ended up, um, I'd go to, then I'd go to a training course a little bit later and found out, okay, I, I figured out more than they know, so I must be on the right track. Um, five clients on MIOB. And then I thought, okay, I, I can nail these down a little bit. And, you know, if, if it wasn't for all the data entry, none of these clients would have taken a whole day. But mm. they did. Mm. Um, started adding a few more. So then I was working in MyOB, Quicken, then Reckon. I was working in NetSuite, JCurve. I was working in I was working in everything. <laughs> <laughs> clients all over the place, but that's okay. I can handle it. And then I thought, you know what? I'm actually really good at this. I'm actually really good at figuring out processes and making them work so that I can fit more in. Where else can they take me? Then Zero launched. Mm. The cloud came into view. Mm -hmm. My whole world changed because I could see where I could go, where I could actually earn a lot of money and earn a great living on my terms. Mm. Um, yeah, wow. It was a, it was a big eye opening in it, but it, it wasn't just zero because when zero, when zero came into my life, that was great. I could see that, but then I had, I've had to figure out how to move those clients and do other things and get them on the cloud. But receipt bank, receipt bank yes. was just receipt bank said to me, right. You can take all this paper, get rid of all this and get your life back. And I just kind of thought, yeah, right. But it, that's exactly what happened. I know that you've t you've told me this before. Uh, that uh, is it. Norman from Receipt Bank was yeah. was a huge huge influencer for you. Do you want to tell that story? Yeah, Norman Lang was. He, I think he was actually the first person I felt like actually believed in what I was doing and where I wanted to be. He um, he was my original. Like I had Abhinav, who was my onboarding manager, but he was my account manager with Receipt Bank, and he found a way. Uh, to really pull out the information of where I wanted to go and what I want to do so that my business then started going from two to four to six to eight to 16 clients in a very small period. I didn't realize that that was unusual. And he sat down with me and he says, Michelle, we got to figure out how you're doing this because I've never seen this happen so fast hmm. because I doubled and then doubled and then doubled my client base hmm. and I was working less. Um, so he says, so he brought me in and he, he said to me, so can we drill down on this? Can we tell your story? So I did. And I felt like, okay, what I'm doing must be okay. It must be good because I didn't work with anybody. I didn't know any bookkeepers. I wasn't a part of any organizations, didn't know anything about ICB or anything else. I was just faking my way through it until I could figure out what the heck I was doing. And then somebody <laughs> said, I'm actually doing something different. Yeah. 
So I, I saw Norman last week and I, you know, and I gave him a big hug. You know, he finally, he just got married. He was so excited to tell me, but I still don't think he realizes what a gigantic impact he had because he told me that I was good enough. Yeah. I was excelling. And the listener can't see this, but I can see how emotional you're getting about that. I mean, obviously it was so, so impactful. I reckon every bookkeeper again we've called out you know when, when was that moment that you recognized you were a bookkeeper but there's probably also that person that helped you solidify that in your mind and clearly Norman in this case played a big part in that and a, a major part because I'm seeing how emotional you are about that and it's uh yeah and it's not necessarily the person you think is going to give you that validation like mm. I didn't have a lot of friends all my friends were parents of my kids friends and that sort of thing it, they weren't personal friends um you know, and it wasn't, it, it, there was no one else to go to. So it was really interesting that it was an app partner. It was yeah. I hired from an app partner. He did. Now he works for, now he works for Ignition, but he's still right. in my life. I don't even yeah. know him, but he's still in yeah. my life. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we've all got those stories. I mean, I've, I've never been shy in, in calling out uh, a young man at uh, MYAB, Nick Wilson, who's played a, a big role in uh, in helping me and over the journey. And uh, he's moved on as well. But uh, we still catch up. We had coffee in Melbourne a few weeks ago and uh, he, he's, he played a big role in, in, in where I'm at. So I think we've all got those influences within our software worlds as well that have played a big role. And, and I can clearly see right now how, how big a role Norman has played. At, at that point, did you... Had you started Rainforest? So I'll just no, call out, um, no, hadn't started Rainforest? Uh, no, I hadn't. Um, I was still just Michelle Grisdale, sole trader. And then I thought, all right, I'm, my business is at 16 clients. I need to do something because, you know, I, I can't do, I, I feel like I'm working with my arms tied. I'm not a BAS agent. So mm. I decided, okay. And again, I still didn't back myself. I still held on like how am I going to earn enough income like making 30 35 dollars an hour how the hell was I going to support my family you know I've I've always been the main breadwinner in my family um and I never didn't want that to change because of this my independent streak my need to be completely financially independent from anyone in my life um so I enrolled in an online BAS agent course um and were started cup uh, I worked, decided to work three days a week for bookkeeping clients. Um, and then I got a job working as an, for an admin company. Um, and I was their bookkeeper going to be their BAS agent, the only one on mm. staff. Um, because I thought, all right, if I'm going to do this, I need to make sure I've got de definite two days income locked in coming in. Even if it's only at $35 an hour, I just need to lock that in because I don't know if I can support myself. Mm. Just didn't back myself. So um, I got to the bookkeeping firms, got through the, you know, you can do the BAS agent course in two years. I got through it in four months. Um, it was hard because I was well immersed in zero at that point, And I was doing it in Maya, which I knew because I'd already been doing Maya for many, many, many years. But I felt like I was working with a hand tied behind my back. Because mm -hmm. everything that I'd moved on from working with desktop Maya, I was having to do um, back when I did my BAS agent course. So I was actually running them in parallel. I had my, my album one, I was doing my zero on the other as my check to make sure I had the right answer because I just had to make sure, right? Because <laughs> I didn't have anybody to ask. Um, 
So uh, then I found out after a month of being at the admin firm that I had more clients than they did. Mm. So it was kind of, I kind of needed to open my eyes and think, all right, what do I want to do? So I really put it into gear, um, joined ICB with, uh, as part of my student um, organization, um, joined ABN at the same time because mm-hmm. I didn't know what was who was who or what was what. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, by the, then by the time I had been at the admin company for um, a year and a half, um, the owner sold it. Um, I didn't want to buy it because there was a lot of admin stuff I didn't want to deal with. And I had 32 clients. So, you know, I knew that once I left the admin company, I was earning more and I had more clients than they did. So I knew I could support myself. Then I started looking at my P&L and going, holy hell, I'm making more than I've ever earned in my life. (laughs) It, It just, it happened like that. It wasn't a plan. It was, it probably was a plan in the back of my head because I knew where I wanted to be, but hmm. it just happened. <laughs> what, um, what inspired the name Rainforest? What, where does that um, come from? And, and I notice, and I'll just just jump in again with my stalking on, on LinkedIn, you refer to yourself as the financial advocate for business at Rainforest Bookkeeping Proprietary Limited. So give, give me some background behind that. I'm fascinated by that. So... A lot of that came from my husband's business. So when we started um, his business, it was called Hair Razor Creations. We decided we wanted it to be 100%, 100% sustainable salon. So we were a sustainable salon member. So I'm, um, we did from the beginning. So we recycled every single thing from hair to uh, aluminium foil, which takes, it's really hard for me to say aluminium foil after growing up in <laughs> aluminum, by the way. Um, <laughs> we recycled every single thing so that the only thing that went into the bin at the salon were food scraps because they, you know, break down. Everything else went directly to sustainable salons to be recycled and repurposed. Um, and that was so ingrained in me because I had trained all of his staff to do that for so long because um, I was managing the hair salon during all this at the same time and all the staff and the apprentices and everything um, because I'm super human, right? I can yeah. do it. <laughs> <laughs> Your marvel come back, comes back to haunt every time. <laughs> every once in a while, yeah. Um, and the kids were growing up, you know, so the kids were much older. And so, you know, having four kids between us, I thought if I can raise four teenagers at once, I really can do anything, right? So um, rainforest bookkeeping um, to me means paperless. And the bane of my existence, like I said way early on, was paper and data entry. I couldn't deal with, I'd go to an office and I'd have a whole room of lever arch files. And for me, walking in that room and saying, I can make this go away was, was just the most exciting thing for me. I love that. Still yeah. new, still today that I get such a rush out of being saying, everything you've got here, I'm going to change your world. So one of the one of the things that's evolved with Rainforest that I'm aware of, and certainly we called it out uh, for those who attended this year's summit, uh, the ICB summit, is that sort of, you know, I don't think deliberately, but you've become almost a bit of a uh, a generational voice for solopreneurship with a bookkeeping business. So in other words, probably many of us tend to or have attended lots of uh, conferences or summits where we put a lot of emphasis on growing your business and expanding your business and putting on staff and stuff like that. But you haven't necessarily gone down that path 
at all, from my understanding. Do you, do you want to sort of um, give it, give us a bit of an understanding of where you're at with that one? I am a very proud sole practitioner by choice. Um, I've had many discussions with head, head, heads of many digital service providers about growing my business. Growing my business to me is not about adding lots of staff and people and offshoring. Growing my business for me is about having a nice number of clients and offering them more services. Um, and I found like, I mean, I've been up to 60 clients at one point and I pulled back and went, yeah, that's not where I'm, I'm happy to be. I'm happy yeah. to service, you know, 40 or 50 clients, but give them a lot more um, and really specialize in that. Being a sole practitioner, I do have my Kate. I'm, everybody I know has a Kate. That's why I say a Kate. Yes. Um, and they all do a Catherine or a Kate or a Kathy or a Katie or, <laughs> or a Joe. So I have a Kate who's worked for me for about six years and she's a casual. Um, she's um, not autonomous at all. She deals with all of my dext entries. She deals with all of my supplier statements. She deals with um, all of my TPAR checking on a monthly basis. You know, she deals with a lot of things that she can do and happen in the background, but that they, but there's, there are no decisions made. There are no dealing with clients. There's no autonomy whatsoever. So that's why I say that I'm a sole practitioner because I'm the one responsible for everything. Everything's got my name on it. Everything's, everything is about me. Um, so to say that I have one extra staff member and say I'm not a sole practitioner, I 100% wholeheartedly disagree with. I could have no. five staff doing the same thing and I'd still be yep. a sole practitioner. Yeah, and and along with that, you've, you've, you've tried to not necessarily define, but I know that you've successfully, you know, sort of, in effect, cornered a market of the bookkeeping with tradies in particular. You love what I know. I've heard you say it before. I, I love know, working I with tradies. What, what, what is it about tradies that, that really, uh, uh, other than maybe uh, that some of them occasionally might be good looking? I don't know, but. Uh, They're all half my age. So, you yeah. Know. <laughs> um, I, and especially plumbers. I've actually got eight plumbers. Like, plumbers are awesome because plumbers, you know, you present, right, this is what we're going to do, and they just do it. Like there's no excuses, they just do it. It is brilliant. Um, electricians have to define everything a lot more. You know, everything's much more mathematical and you have to prove this and prove that. Um, builders want to see the whole big picture and plan it all the way through. Um, that was a byproduct of working for the admin company. They taught me to be able to not have to work on one client at a time. They taught me to be able to work on 15 clients in a day and a similar sort of task. So. Um, you know, I'm very much like I'll do payroll on a certain day and a certain time, and I do pay bills on a certain day, a certain time. I do everything very methodically. Um, tradies love that. They love that I say, right, you know, this is how we're going to do it. Yes, this is all required, but that's okay. You do this, I do this. Just set everything out. Um, I deal the same way with with e-commerce. I have quite a few e-commerce clients now. Um, I kind of reverse niche. I say this is what I will do, or I, I kind of say I don't say this is what I will do. I say this is who I will not do. Hospitality, not my thing. I'm happy to introduce them to other people. Um, you know, uh, medical pr practitioners, very happy to introduce them. And I have lots of other bookkeepers that I'm more than happy to recommend to um, because. That means I would have to learn so much more and I'd rather be an expert at what I do than a jack of all trades. 
So many lessons there, uh, just in that <laughs> short few <laughs> moments. Uh, yeah, but, and and I will, again, call it out for those who uh, maybe didn't attend um, Summit this year and missed it, but uh, Amanda Linton, our CEO, gave a great session on, you know, not feeling the pressure to have to think you have to grow your business for the very reasons that you just called out. And I know that she collaborated with you on that because you are a little bit of a, a thought leader when it comes to that sort of thing sure. and uh, sure congratulate that. you on I- that. You know, if you ask me a question, I'm quite happy to answer. Just yep. Yep. <laughs> um, so say what you mean. <laughs> I think it's really important for, for people to understand that to make a lot of money as a BAS agent, as a bookkeeper, that it doesn't mean that you have to add more staff and more expense and do more and more and more. That, you know, if you're really good at what you do and you find the clients that fit it, fit in your niche, you can still make six figures. You can still make a lot of money. Yeah. Um, I'm quite happy where I'm sitting. I don't feel like I need to just keep doubling and doubling. Once I doubled and went up 20% a year, five years in a row. Yep. I thought I'm doing what I want to do and I'm sitting where I want to sit. Yeah. I think a lot of inspiration there for a lot of the listeners who are listening in who have politely gone along to many summits and conferences and gone, I suppose I should try and work out how I grow my business, but I'm not sure I really want to. You said the word that isn't, there's a word you said that's not in my vocabulary and that word is should. 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 Yeah. You want to do it or you don't. If you don't want to do it, just don't do it. Yep. Absolutely, and that's what I'm calling out. I think you—that's what your the, the thought leadership here is that you are saying. Don't assume you have to grow your business. You don't. There's no should. There's a what? What's my fit? And that's what you've proven. And and that's why I've, I've loved uh, I've loved this story so far. And we are going to start to wrap it up. But um, uh, another thing about Michelle Grisdale that I've found out that uh, fascinates me because it kind of it's kind of in my hitting zone as well is that when you are working on a bass or doing some intense bookkeeping, you love to have some heavy metal going on in your earphones. Is that right? <laughs> I'm a total metal head. I have a playlist on Spotify called Taxing. My son and I put, one of my sons and I put together. And it, this goes from way back, probably, you know, in Seattle era and everything else. But, um, you know, I, I'm always, I make it a challenge to find a band one of my sons hasn't heard of. Um, right. I've got major heavy metal music. When I have to make sure it's on a day when Kate's not here because she and my husband just look at me like I'm absolutely crazy. But I, I love it, you know, bring it on. I just, you know, and I'm talking big stuff like, you know, Slipknot and Tool and Corn and like, come on. <laughs> How can you not so we're not we're not talking the angels and Akadaka here then. No, absolutely not. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I uh, To try and get a bit of inspire, inspiration coming into this uh, interview with you, I, I whacked on, I draw the long line from the angels just to sort of get myself going, but uh, no, you've gone beyond that. No, that's not metal for me. <laughs> I'm not talking full on screamo and death metal and, you know, but it's still pretty, pretty awesome, you know. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you got some major refunds going with some of those basses with that sort of inspiration. That's great. I, I, I am going to throw in there. I, I, I must admit, you know, and those who know me well know that my mind does tangent very easy and go off. I'm thinking, wow, okay, Michelle's into heavy metal. Uh, maybe we could create a heavy metal bookkeeper list, you know, song list. And I've come up with a few titles I want to run by you. Okay, uh, I thought we could go with 
you know, a bit of an Akadaka theme here, I guess. We could go with back in the black, you know, like a business, oh, you know, back yeah. in the black, you know. Yeah. Uh, the angels I mentioned, I draw a long line, you know, like we do under a ledger, you know. Yeah. At the end yeah. of the day. I think um, that's a generational thing. They wouldn't get it. No, wouldn't get it. No, no, no. <laughs> Some more Akadaka here. I came up with uh, bookkeepers' fees don't come cheap, you know, so uh, <laughs> dirty deeds. Yeah. Um, and it's a long way to the top if you want a P&L. I can just hear my son now who edits this going, oh, Dad, dad what jokes. the heck are you doing? Oh, my God, Dad jokes. Yeah, no. Hey, uh, it's the son here currently editing this. And, yep, yeah, pretty much. I, um, that's why I called my playlist taxing because for right. me it's when I do tax, but for other people it might be a little bit taxing. But, yeah. I'm actually, I mean, most of the people that I deal with and talk about my playlist are guys. Again, you know, it comes back to, you know, guys get me. <laughs> yes, yes. So let, let's move into um, our closing balances and we'll start to wrap this up. So we had three questions at the start that were our opening balances, which you answered beautifully. So I'm going to, the segue bit, I'm going to move into your first closing balance, your first question, do you have a song that defines or describes you the best or just a song that you resonate with and go, yeah, that, that's Michelle. Well, my husband and I, Clay and I, um, when I met him, so I missed out on all my nightclub days, right, with my first husband because I was with him from the time I was 16. So I missed out on all that, even at uni. So with Clay, I went back and did all those nightclubs again. Um, and there's a song, it's called I'm a Different Person. Right. And I am. Okay. I'm a completely different person today because it took me more than half my life to find out that I wasn't just somebody's mother, somebody's sister, somebody's daughter, somebody's wife. I was Michelle. And I've tried to tell that to a lot of people like, you know, Michelle is this Michelle, like I know who I am and I will never give that back. And that's why my song is I'm a different person. Beautiful. I I think you nailed it. Absolutely. Uh, just based on what I've heard even today and the listeners are tuning into, I think most would agree that's almost the perfect song. So well done on that one. Okay, second question. We're going we're gonna to just sort of imagine here. Imagine we're at the World Cup of bookkeeping. You're, you're uh, representing Australia. Um, to win the World Cup, you need to have with you two other uh, bookkeepers or compatriots that you've uh, come to know and trust and work with to complete the most difficult termination pay ever presented to you uh, to win the World Cup? Who are, who are the Ooh. two bookkeepers or who are the two people you would have in the trench with you to try and take out the World Cup of bookkeeping? Wow. So I knew exactly who I was going to say until you said payroll because oh. <laughs> payroll is that, that total divide between bookkeepers you love it or you hate it like mm -hmm. nobody volunteers to do payroll right i've heard that many times um because i would have taken alexi void but as soon as you say payroll she's like oh god no 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 no. Um, so if it, well, well, i'll stop you there if it wasn't payroll why would you take alexi what what is it about um, alexi and i have an amazing story so alexi and i funny enough met in an icb meeting so we are, like I'd call her one of my best friends. We met sitting, I took myself out of my comfort zone and I left the Central Coast. I went to Hornsby and I went to Maria Landrelli's ICV meeting with 24 scary women and a couple guys. 
really <laughs> scary. And it was this big, giant horseshoe of a room, and half the room was myob, and then there were a few others scattered, and then there was this couple little people who were zero. And I'm sitting between this girl, Susan, and this and Alexi, and they're talking about how many clients they had. And all the myob people were saying uh, five, eight, you know, and we got around, and Alexi goes, shit, I'm not talking. And I said, well, how, how many do you have? She goes, 35. I said, I know I've got 50. I'm not telling anybody that. <laughs> so we've been friends ever since. And she goes, Dario? I said, yeah. She goes, Dext? Yeah. First thing? Yes. Using this? Yes. We found out that our businesses were completely parallel in the way we do things. And then Susan said, hey, me too. Can I join you guys? And we've been <laughs> friends ever since. And we all go, they're really scary. She goes, yeah, I know. I've been coming here for years and I don't talk. And I said, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and not talk. So we've been friends ever since. <laughs> there you go. So the power of the network meeting, we've called it out, you know, the ICB networking, you can make friends for life. Uh, shout out to Maria Landrelli too, who is a, a great network leader, uh, network facilitator. Um, and, yeah, so Alexi, yeah, Alexi Boyd, for those who aren't aware, current um, CEO of Cosboa, I believe. Yes, I think I've got that right. No, not I believe, I know, but I just wanted to get that one right. Uh, and it also was a, uh, a guest on Heart of the Bookkeeper last year. So uh, go back and I, I can't remember the episode number off the top of my head, but search up Alexi Boyd, Heart of the Bookkeeper. Great interview. Spoke very um, passionately about her challenges and she spoke about imposter syndrome and, and how she's struggled with that over many years. So well worth going back and having a listen and I know she is a great mate of yours but she we've got to go really back to pushed me out yeah. of my comfort zone in many situations and I her like I've pushed her in in ways with payroll and with other things but she yeah. made me sit in my first radio show you know and, yes. and I've been interviewed on her radio show a couple of times and she made me do right. presentations and has helped me believe in what I what I who I am and believed that you know that just that to be my own genuine person, not to try to be anyone that I'm, I wasn't. And yeah, I, yep. I thank her every day. Like I still send her things to proofread for me because I cannot check my own work. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. What a friendship. But we're still stuck on the termination pay. You're, you're yeah. trying to win the World Cup here. So who, yeah. who we got with you in the in the trenches so, for the termination um, pay? Myri Antiporian. Myri Antiporian okay. is someone who came into my life uh, through COVID. And right. she has been a BAS agent bookkeeper for a very, very long time. I believe she might have been a tax agent as well, but she is just, she is such a wealth of knowledge with everything to do with payroll and a lot of other things. Um, and she will really work to help you get to the nitty gritty of all of that. And the other one I have to say is Nicole Lynch. Nicole Lynch, okay. Extremeline Management. Um, mm -hmm. She is... Again, how she stores so much knowledge in that brain of hers does, you know, I know a little bit about a lot of things, but she knows chapter and verse and seems to send you the link like that. Yes. You know? yep. And yes. so having those two to know, um, you know, when it's really complicated and then how to make sure that it's exactly the right thing gives me strength to know that I'm on the track that I need to be and I can defend my position with anything payroll yes yes very different yep. but well it sounds to me you you've just you've just raised the cup for australia you've got two uh, great allies there so uh well done to to those two joining you in this world cup victory good stuff Yay. <laughs> final question final closing balance 
Do you have a book or a podcast that you've listened to recently that you'd uh, like to recommend? Um, I'm reading a book at the moment. Um, it's about, it's an Aboriginal book. It's about dreaming. It's about um, getting mm. into the mindset of, of um, the, the dreaming and getting into the mindset of, um, you know, every single thing is related and nothing you do doesn't have a consequence. So everything is about, you know, the earth and the water and how everything works together. And, um, yeah, I believe it's called the dreaming, but um, off the top mm. of my head, I can't remember. We'll get, we'll, we can get that name and uh, I'll pop that into our uh, descriptor for the podcast. But, uh, and I'm, I'm guessing we'll call it out. I mean, Alexi does also have a, a fantastic podcast or a news radio station, as I think she refers to it as. And um, she did. She had Small Biz Matters on Triple H. Small Biz um, Matters. That's what I was trying no to remember. She no longer yeah. does Small Biz Matters because, of course, she's way too busy being busy, the CEO yeah. of Cosboa. Um, they yes. do have a podcast with Cosboa, I know, as mm-hmm. well. Um, mm-hmm. um, I do. There's there's quite a few I do listen to. I love Heather Smith's Cloud Stories. Um, I love that Two Drunk Accountants live down the yep. road from me. Like, they're awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I love um, Ali and Andrew's um, at All in Advisory Adventures. Um, Andrew Vanderbeek is just such an amazing human. I go out of my way to um, spend time with him when I can. Um, I, 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 I just like people that are just telling me what to do. I like people that are just very real, um, you know, not just stargazing. So Yes. <laughs> and, of course, um, yeah, of course, I was going to say, the heart of the bookkeeper, of course, Michelle. I'm sure. I'm sure. You, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, I think that's almost the perfect way to finish, Michelle. I I looked forward at the start to this, and I have absolutely loved every second of this interview. Your um your your story is that story of discovery, and I think it's one that's inspirational. I know you're you're a pretty humble person from that respect. You're not going to necessarily take that on. But I think your story is very inspirational. I think there's a lot of lessons in there and you, you've shared those along the way. Um, I hope that those who have tuned into your story do get some some inspiration out of it and I'm certain they will. We've got the, uh, as you referred to them, the blended family, the, I suppose I you might call it the, the yes. yeah, yeah, do you want to, you want to call those out? Who, who, who's your four? So I've got the youngest is Mikey. Mikey's 26. He's on a, he's prawn, a prawn trawler in Darwin at the moment. Um, okay. I have his dog. His dog's in here. Um, <laughs> then I've got Ian. Ian's uh, 29. Ian's in IT, works for a company called Takala. He's amazing, and he's always checking my system for cybersecurity, which is nice. Kristen is a, uh, she's about to become a clinical psychologist. So she's just finishing her um, last stage to go into practice. Remarkable woman. Just, just, she just is incredible. Uh, She's 30. And then Zachary is 32 and he's a personal trainer. He was an electrician. He left that because it was ripping his heart out. And so now he works with autistic adults, teaching them to surf and golf. And he also is a part-time coach at Skeg's over in Bondi. Um, they're all living their best life. They're all happy and healthy and I could not be prouder. Well done. And yeah, what a what an amazingly talented bunch you've got there. And uh, I'm sure there, there'd be amazing conversations around the dinner table when you all come together. Such a diversity there. And and then you throw in some hairdressing as well. Wow, it's all happening in the uh, in your, your clan, that's for sure. So Michelle, look, we, we call this 
this podcast, The Heart of the Bookkeeper. Thank you for sharing your heart today um, and your story, your journey. It's been a wonderful um, thing for me to be able to sit and listen. Uh, you continue to do things in our community that is um, uh, exceptional in my opinion. I know also that you've made significant contribution over the last few years in particular because I've been privy to it to the ICB community and uh, certainly willing to put your hand up and volunteer and do things. So we're very thankful to you. Um, we hope that you continue to power along as that uh, that person that says, I say what I mean and I mean what I say, so please don't take it any other way. I love it, absolutely love it. So Michelle, thank you for joining us on episode 15 of Heart of the Bookkeeper. Thanks, Rob. It's been a pleasure. What a fabulous journey we have just been privileged to hear. Thank you, Michelle. Keep knocking out those basses to the sound of heavy metal and we wish you and Rainforest Bookkeeping all the very best for the future. And as always, thank you, our listeners, for tuning in and we look forward to you joining us again very soon on episode 16 of Heart of the Bookkeeper and we love your heart.